0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard The Athletic's Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts, Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes. Listen safely. Can't wait.
0: One week of free agency is down. How'd the Jets do? Plenty of time left to go. What's left for the Jets to do? That and much more coming up. On this episode of the Can't Wait Podcast, I'm Tim McMaster, along with Connor Hughes, our Jets reporter at The Athletic, and our producer, Marissa Morris. Thanks for joining us on YouTube Live, if you're here with us right now, or if you're listening wherever you do, on Apple or Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, Please subscribe to the show as well. Give us a five-star rating. We really appreciate that as well. Connor, one week down, I know you didn't sleep a lot. We did the late-night edition last week after the big signings, but the Jets stayed busy throughout the week. When you look at as a whole, and there's still time to go, but they've spent a a good chunk of that bag of money that they had. Um, How would you kind of rate the Jets to this point?
1: I think it was good. I I think it was, I think it was fine. I mean, I think we kind of know now based off of last year when the Jets had a ton of cap space and based off of this year when the Jets had a ton of cap space, I I think we've kind of figured out now what a Joe Douglas offseason and what a Joe Douglas uh free agent signing period is going to look like we we know now he's he's never going to be the guy that gives out the eye popping holy cow number to the massive massive free agent signing he's not, never going to be the guy that has an off season like the patriots do where you see him throw 300 and, 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 you know, like seems like 300 million at $400 million out there. And, and he's never going to be the guy that hands out the hundred million dollar contract to the free agent to bring him aboard. I mean, that's just, it's not the type of general manager he's going to be. And, and it's, I guess it's, it came as somewhat of a surprise considering the number of Jets holes, but, but on the other end of things or on the other end of the spectrum, it shouldn't come as that much of a surprise because Joe's pretty much told us this is how he's going to run things since he took over as this team's general manager. He said he is going to build this through the draft. He is going to make the Jets biggest moves and the Jets biggest headlines through the draft. And what he's going to use free agency to do is to supplement the roster and and that's kind of what he's done. I mean, he did go out there and make some splashes. The the Carl Lawson signing is a splash. The Corey Davis signing is a splash. The Jared Davis signing is a ripple. But in the same way, those are three players, the first three guys that the Jets signed. All three of those guys, barring injury, are going to be week one starters. So it's not like Joe's slept walk throughout free agency. It's not like he hasn't made any move or any splash. He's gone out there and when he's seen the opportunity to be aggressive and he's seen the opportunity to go and make this roster better, he's gone out there and done it. Corey Davis is the Jets' new number one receiver. Jared Davis is the Jets' new starting outside linebacker. Carl Lawson is the team's first pass rusher in God knows how long. So he has made waves. He did use the money to his means, but he's not going to be somebody that goes out there and signs Corey Davis, Juju Smith-Schuster, Kenny Galladay, all to $15 to $18 million a year contracts. He's not somebody that's going to go out there and bring in Kendall Fuller and Shaq Griffin and all these different guys and, and make the type of splashes that Mike McCagnon did in 2015 or Mike McKagnon did in 2017, I believe it was with Tremaine Johnson and or 2018 with Tremaine Johnson. And then in 2019 when he went out there and he signed Le'Veon Bell and CJ Mosley and all those guys, I mean, that's just not the GM that Joe Douglas is. It's not the GM that he's ever been. It's not the way that, that Ozzie Newsom did it in Baltimore. So it's not the way that Joe Douglas is going to do it here. And In the immediate short term, I can understand why it's very frustrating for Jet fans because you see, literally in your own backyard, the New England Patriots go out and do what they did this offseason. And you see what what the Giants have done to some extent as well, where they give Leonard Williams that massive contract, then they get Kenny Galladay. It looks like they're going to get a Dory Jackson. I mean, you see these pieces right around, but... I mean, the numbers are out there. Spending big in free agency doesn't mean you're going to build a consistent winner. You build a consistent winner by making plays in the NFL draft, hitting on your draft picks, and then supplementing the roster in free agency. And that's what Joe Douglas has done. And I mean, he's obviously receiving some heat for, for not addressing the, the interior offensive line in the cornerback position. We're going to get to that in a little bit. But um, I think so far in free agency, I give it a, a B, probably. I, I mean, I don't think it's in the A range. But like I said, you added three starters in the two Davises, and uh, Carl Lawson, you went out there and you found a really good value sh- signing in Sheldon Rankins, who's going to continue to to help Robert Sala build that 49ers defensive front with the Jets. You added a, a really top tier special teams player in Justin Hardy. You get a uh, uh, um, uh, the LaMarcus Joyner signing, I think is going to be really impactful with, with what he's able to do athletically from a safety, free safety perspective and what he can bring to the Jets defense. So overall, I mean, you saw the... The big signings on the opening day and you've seen the roster start to fill out in the coming days. And then obviously the Jets have, you know, six picks within the first four rounds to really take this roster from, okay, it's looking better to this thing's headed in the right direction.
0: All right, let's focus in on some of um, the the specific guys they've gotten since the big three that you mentioned, because we covered those last week, Davis and Davis and, and Lawson. But you just mentioned Sheldon Rankins. He's the newest new Jet uh, signing on Sunday. 2016 first-round pick. He was the 12th overall guy. He'll turn 27 on April 2nd. Um, he's a starting caliber type player, and he's going to be up front there. And you're going to stop the run. You need guys like this, right, with Quinn Williams and Futakasi and, and all those guys that are up there. I guess the one question, Connor, he he's had, he's had one great season in 2018, mm-hmm. but his whole career has been checkered by injuries. And th- that's the big worry I think you have when you look at this guy and what he's done so far in his career.
1: Yeah, and it's why the Jets were able to get him on basically the second week of free agency. I mean, 12 hours removed from the second week of free agency. It's, it's a guy that has an immense amount of talent. I mean, you go and watch his play during that 2018 season, it was electric. I mean, you don't see people that are 302 pounds move the way that Sheldon Rankins does. And I know you see, like, big body defensive tackle, and you think, like you mentioned, run-stuffing guy – that's not really him. He's a he's a pass rusher. That's what he does. I mean, go and watch some of the clips of him making the spin moves, him making the quick swims, you know, him throwing guys aside. I mean, he his combine numbers were eye-popping because he jumped like a almost a 35-inch vertical. He ran a 503 40-yard dash, and I think he was like 26 to 28 reps at 225 pounds. So this is a big dude size-wise. He's a big dude strength-wise, but he is ridiculously athletic. And when you look at the defensive line that that Sala had when he was in San Francisco during their best year in 2019, I know that group had you know obviously Richard Sherman who had a hell of a season that year and and, and a pretty good secondary. You know, uh, Jaqueski Tart was out there, um, a, a lot of good players in the secondary, but that group was led by the defensive line. I mean, period. That that's that's the that's what led that group was their defensive line that was first round pick galore up front. I mean, it was Nick Bosa. It was Eric Armstead. It was Solomon Thomas. It was DeForest Bunkner. They traded for D Ford. I mean, that is a five man rotation. That is basically five aces all coming after the quarterback, all guys with the ability to get there from a Thomas Buckner perspective, probably five to eight times a year. But Ford, uh, Armstead, Bosa, those are, those are double digit sack a year guys. And, what the Jets are trying to do is, I know this is not going to be, you know, Robert Salah hired a defensive coordinator. He's not going to be the defensive coordinator, but it is going to be the defense that he built. That's what he's going to do. And he needs a very deep defensive line rotation in order to implement that defensive scheme. He now has the ideal three-tech, probably the most talented three tech he's ever worked with. And I'm looping in Buckner and I'm looping in everyone else he's worked that uh, worked over with the 49ers with. Quinn and Williams. I mean, he has the talent to be a one of the best, probably up there with Bosa in terms of the most talented defensive lineman he worked with. He's now crossed off the list the need for that Leo rusher, the weak side rusher in Carl Lawson. He's got those two pieces. John Franklin Myers, Jabari Zuniga, they're good strong side rushers and they can rotate, move inside, stuff like that. But they're not, Bryce Huff as well, they're not necessarily like, holy cow, we need to game plan for these guys yet. They're good players. You like their upside, they're not there yet. Fatou Kassi, he's the run stuffer you were talking about, Tim. That's what he does. He's the guy that stuffs the run. But you still want guys that can put their hand into the dirt and pressure the quarterback. And you have two in Quinton and Williams and, and Lawson. You have the third that's coming in now in, in, in Rankins if he's healthy. And then you continue to try to move out. I mean, I, the Jets the Jets are going to draft a pass rusher this year. They're, they're going to draft one. I could see it at number 23. I could absolutely see it in the second round. And if they don't go at number 23 or in the second round, they'll absolutely take a pass rusher in the, in the third round. And I think, obviously, it's going to come before that. But it's all about... And we said this, and, and, and I said it like right after the first wave of free agency, is that the Jets were going to reassess things. They were going to kind of bring themselves back in. They were going to kind of take a little bit of a timeout and say, all right, we got our three new starters. We got big splashes. We got the guys that we targeted and we wanted. You know, We wanted Tooney, but it wasn't really going to happen once the Chiefs were involved. We got our guys. Now what we're going to do is we're going to focus on where we can find value. And they found that value in Cole. They found that value in Joyner, and they especially found that value in Rankins because this is a guy, again, who when he is healthy, he is a dominant pass rushing force on the inside, and you don't have too, too many players like that. And if the Jets can have Lawson coming over from one side, Zuninga and Franklin Myers on the other side, and then Quinnen and Rankins pushing the pocket from the middle— where's the quarterback going to go, right? Because if you get pressure from the outside, sometimes you can step up in the pocket. If you get pressure from the middle, sometimes you can bounce it outside. That's what teams have done to the Jets the last couple of years because they've never had that edge rushing threat. What the Jets are doing is they're building a defensive front that from a schematic perspective can't be beat because they will be able to get you from the A-gap. They'll be able to get you outside. They'll be able to get you everywhere. So I'm a big fan of the Rankin signing. And for two years, I mean, we got to see the specifics. They're not in yet, but it's two years, 17 million, I think with the outside numbers. Yeah. Odds are that's a one-year contract, and the Jets kind of have him under team control for next year if he's still playing pretty well. But I got to see the exact numbers once they come in. Uh, but that—that that is, uh, I think that's a good signing. I think it's a really good signing for this team, and and I think, I think you're gonna see that front really start to come together. And and the Jets are building a formidable front four, certainly one of their best. I think they've had since the Mo Wilkerson, Sheldon Richardson, Damon Harrison. And uh, Leo Williams' year in 2000 and what was that, 15, I think was it was when they had all those guys together before Damon left.
0: Yeah, I think so. The PFF ranking in that 2018 season, by the way, 78.8 when he had eight sacks. He was a beast that year. Like you said, the injuries, torn Achilles, foot surgery, fractured fibula, sprained MCL along the way. But he's healthy right now, um, and and hopefully he stays that way for the Jets. You mentioned Keenan Cole. Everybody wanted the, the number one receiver, Galladay or, or Juju or somebody like that. Uh, Cole's not that. In fact, he's probably not a two or a three either, but he gives them depth at the receiver position. Um, he's a guy that's had some good seasons, right? Forty-two Receptions, seven forty-eight, as a rookie, twenty twenty at fifty-five catches for a career high as well, um and he's a guy with hands.
1: Yeah, yeah, hella hands. I mean, I actually talked to your boy. I talked to to Michael. He was the one that texted me. He was one of the guys that reached out because they played together in in Jacksonville. And Michael was the one. Just to be like, hey, clear, not
0: my boy, Marissa's boy.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, Marissa, yeah, Marissa's boy. Uh, Michael Dunn, I actually, he was one of the guys we were talking about. I mean, because I, they said, I was like, oh, what did you, you think of him? Because, like, he played with him. And, and Michael said really fast. And he's one of those dudes that whenever that ball is in the air, I mean, he saw him in practice every single day. When the ball is in the air, he's got a chance to catch it. And it, it doesn't matter if there's three guys around him or one guy around him or anything like that. He has the ability to go up in the air and make the grab when there are multiple people around him and, and make a difference in that regard. And and what Michael said resonates with a lot of the other people that I talked to. I, I talked to somebody that, that coached was the offensive coordinator of the Jaguars when, when Keenan Cole was over there, said the same thing. The guy's electric fast. He's a great guy. And don't look at his 40 numbers because he plays faster than what his 40 number indicates. He's a guy that's fast. He's a guy that has really good hands. And he's a guy that's able to he's a good guy too is the other thing I kept hearing from people. He's a good guy and he's able to make a difference and he's, he's able to make the spectacular catches and he's a really good player. And, and the one that I talked to was actually somebody that was pursued that, uh, Cole chose the jets over this particular team. And I knew they were pursuing him. I said, like, oh, I was like, like, jets got him. Why did you guys want him? And they, again, highlighted the speed. They highlighted the hands. But What they said is that he's a guy that if he is your number two receiver, you're okay. It's, 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 you're okay. He can, he can be a team's number two receiver. If he's your number three or he's your number four option, the exact quote I got was, Oh, yeah, you're cool. Like, that's, that's, I mean, you're good. You're, you're set if he's your number three or number four. And with the Jets, that's what he's going to be. You have Corey Davis outside. You have Denzel Mims outside. You have Jamison Crowder in the slot. And now you have, Keenan Cole is that number four option. And, and the other thing people talk about is the versatility with him. He can play inside. He can play outside. He played a lot of outside his first two years, played a lot of inside his last two years. He's been equally effective at both positions. Rich Cimini had the numbers where he broke it down between what his inside numbers were and his outside numbers were next gen stats. Obviously they, we, that's the next thing that the athletics got to fund. You know, once we get through all this and we start really profiting, we got to, we're going to fund <laughs> a, a next gen department. I'm going to make that pitch at the next all hands, but I mean, it was fascinating to see those numbers. So he's a versatile guy. He's got amazing hands. He's very quick. He's a good high-character guy. And that's kind of what Joe Douglas has been targeting this offseason is high-character guys. And I think he's going to be a very solid addition because he's better than the other number four options they have. There's a massive difference between Keenan Cole and Braxton Berrios. And uh, who's the kid, the the rookie, that, that uh, Lawrence Cager. He's, he's a better player than him, better player than Jeff Smith, better player than Vincent Smith. I mean, that's a signing that, again, it's not going to steal headlines. It's not Juju. It's not Galladay. It's not like that sexy, sexy signing or whatever. But what it is, is it's a good football player that is better than what the Jets had at a bargain buy that's going to come in here and help the team and makes them better. They are a better team with Keenan Cole at number four than they were before they signed Keenan Cole. Keelan Cole. Keelan. Keelan Cole. Have I said Keenan like a hundred times? My cousin yeah. says Keenan, so it's like all in my head. It's Key Keelan. K-E-E-L-A-N.
0: I will say, if you actually looked at the rundown, which we all know you don't, but it says <laughs> Keenan there, too. So I, have, I made the cousin same. say Keenan. I made the same mistake because I have like that's
1: my that's my cousin's name. So I'm like I'm like oh my god! Like every time I write it, like I'm like oh damn it! Yeah,
0: that's why we have Marissa here. Corrections on the fly. All right, yeah. Corrections and insight. The corrections last done. Done. One more. One more guy from this batch over the last week to to mention Lamarcus Joyner. Um, another guy that see, he's 30s, a little older than a lot of these guys, and he's not big. 5'8", 191 kind of jumps off the page for a defensive guy, but they get him on a one-year, $4.5 million deal, and it's not a cornerback, which they obviously desperately need, but it is secondary help.
1: Yeah, and, and with him, he's an interesting player because I think he's going to give the Jets a lot of versatility. and. With him, he's kind of a fascinating player, in my opinion, because with Joiner, it's he's like so he was drafted into the league by the Raiders. I'm trying to bring up the numbers as we're speaking here, which is why I was like stumbling a little bit. But he was drafted by the Raiders as as a, as a corner, and the first couple of years he was with Oakland. Then they were Oakland. They like moved him all over the field. Like he was playing outside corner, he's playing inside corner, safety, box, all that stuff. In 2000, and what was it, 17? The Rams, I'm sorry. The Rams drafted me. He went to the Raiders. He was drafted by the Rams. 2017, they moved him to free safety. So they went from moving him all over that he played basically the vast majority of snaps at, at the safety position. 510 of his 760 defensive snaps were at free safety, played 135 at nickel, 98 in the box. He finished that season with 49 tackles, 9 pass breakups, a forced fumble, and 3 interceptions and had a pro football focus grade this is absolutely ridiculous, of 90.9 as mm-hmm. opponents targeted him Twenty uh, the opponent's passer rating is 27.4 when throwing his way during that 2017 season. Rams were like holy cow, we're on to something here. The guy's a free safety. 2018 played free safety more than ever in his career uh, including the 2017 season. 2018 played 77% of his steps there. Finished with a career high 78 tackles, 3 for a loss, 3 pass breakups, and inter reception and a PFF grade of 73.1. Looking at those numbers, the guy's a free safety. That's what he plays. He has some versatility to go back down in the nickel, kind of like Entrell Roll, almost the, the former Cardinal Giant, where he had the ability to play multiple positions, but he's best at safety. For whatever reason, when the Raiders signed him after the Rams let him go, the the Raiders were like, oh, this guy's a, a, a nickel corner. We're going to play this guy at nickel corner. And that, that to me, like, it. He stunk. He wasn't. He wasn't good as a corner because he's not a corner. And for whatever reason, the Raiders continue to play him at corner and corner and corner. I mean, he ne- he basically never played free safety with the Raiders. Looking at the numbers, and he finished in two seasons with 115 tackles, zero sacks, eight pass breakups, and zero interceptions in 28 games. I don't understand why you wouldn't look at what he did with LA. And the success he had as a free safety and realize, okay, we're gonna play him at free safety. Instead, they just continue to trot him out there at nickel back and it and it obviously didn't work. So with the Jets, Joyner's going to be a, a safety. He's not, he's not a, a a nickel corner, he's not an outside corner. They're gonna move him around a little bit. He'll play near the box. He might line up in a nickel situation a couple times if he's covering like a tight end or a running back, but he's gonna be a free safety. And when you add a player like that to your defense, again, it's not the corner everyone wants and all that stuff, but it does give this team an immense amount of versatility because now you have Marcus May, who is your free safety. He's your he your back deep free safety. The Jets experimented with him at strong, didn't work. You know how a ridiculously athletic Ashton Davis coming back who you can now move around and you have Joyner who you can move around. So you have two guys that can both cover in man-to-man, cover in zone, play near the box, blitz the quarterback. You have all of this where if you are Salah and you're drawing up this defense, you now are able to give so many different looks from what you have in the past. And and I talked to to a couple of the guys that cover the 49ers for us, and they said, like, there's no, like Matt Barrows, and he said there's no, Sala wasn't known for, like, three safety looks in San Francisco, but that was probably because San Francisco didn't have the personnel to run three safety looks. With the Jets, now, they have three starting safeties. Joyner is a starting free safety. May is a starting free safety. The Jets believe that Ashton Davis is a starting free safety, and for a defense that likes too high and a lot of zone coverage, you could now potentially have Marcus May and and uh, and um, LaMarcus Joyner back as your two deep free safeties playing a very similar role, just one on one half of the field, one on the other half of the field, and then have Ashton Davis with all that athleticism running around like a madman. So I think it's a good signing. I think it's a signing that not too many people are going to talk about. Obviously, it's not the pro bowler star corner that everyone wants, but it's a good signing at a good value that the Jets were able to bring in here. And when you have so many holes you can't afford to throw $30 million a year at every single one of the top three players. Cause you're only going to have those top three players. You need to use this money to both fill out the roster, but also with some placeholders that are going to be replaced by the draft picks you eventually have over these next two years. And I think that's what the jets have done during this second week. I, I said, it and I reported it that like, the Jets made their splash or what Joe Douglas would qualify as a splash and what a Joe Douglas GM team would qualify as a splash with the two Davis and Law- and Lawson signings. Those were his big moves. Those were his splashes. Those were what he would consider being very aggressive and going out there and signing people. After those signings, It became about value. It became about assessing the markets of players that maybe weren't necessarily there to begin with, like Rankins, like when they got involved with Juju a little bit, and then it's about finding the value. So you make your splash, now you go and you find your value signings. You know Your James Carpenter additions like the Jets had in 2015, your Brian Poole additions like the Jets had a couple years ago, like getting Jordan Jenkins back on a one-year $5 million deal like they were able to do last year. It's about finding those kind of additions over the course of after that first wave and these next couple of weeks. And you're going to see the Jets do it. And I think the Jets did that with Keelan Cole. They got a guy that obviously has the ability to be a number two receiver. With the Jets, he's going to be their number four. They were able to do that with Joyner, a guy who can be a starting free safety. With the Jets, he's going to be their number three free safety. So they've got some guys now that they can move and they can mix and they can match. And I think it's been a good offseason. Obviously, it's not done. The pressure now with the Jets deciding not to go after guard, and we're going to talk about this in a bit, but the pressure is now amplified for the NFL draft. But it's going to, uh, it's going to be... I think he's done a good job, and I like the Joiner signing, and I like the Rankin signing. I, I, I like what the Jets have done this offseason. I'm, I'm, I, I know some people want more, but I honestly think they've done a really good job this offseason. And I'm not blowing smoke up anyone's ass. I mean, you guys know that if I think this team does something wrong, I have no problem ripping the hell out of them. I mean, I don't know how many times I sat in front of this webcam screaming on the top of my lungs. The point I'm getting text messages from Bree, like, are you having a coronary in there? Like, what the hell's going on? Because of what they did last year. Like, I have no problem telling you this team sucks when they suck. I don't think what the team is doing right now quantifies as sucking. I think they're doing a good job. I think it's a competent offseason and and competent is how you build a winner. Being a, 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 a ridiculously aggressive and and just willfully ignorant with your money is not how you build a winner. This is how you build a winner. It's not the sexy moves. It's not going to steal too many back page headlines. Let the Giants have the happy Galladay headline. It doesn't matter. The Giants just gave $18 million to a, a, a tier two number one receiver. Like Kenny Galladay is not Julio Jones. Kenny Galladay is not Odell Beckham Jr. Like, like, the Giants were better off with Odell Beckham Jr. than they were with Kenny Galladay. They signed Kenny Galladay to $18 million because they traded away the guy they drafted. So I think the Jets are doing is smart. And now the key is just they got to hit on their draft picks.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24 7 U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
2: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the Launch Your Online Shop stage... All the way to the, we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer.
0: All right. So who is the next player the Jets are going to get? And, and will it be a free agent? Will it be the draft? Will it not happen this offseason? Let's get into that a little bit. Um, I think we should start at cornerback because that's what people are talking about a little bit in the chat. We've already referenced it a little bit, Connor. There were cornerbacks available. An extra cornerback became available when the Bears uh, cut Kyle Fuller last week during the week, but so far, nothing for the Jets yet. Do you think that remains the case and they go through the draft, or what's, what's going on here? Because really, they could use more than one.
1: All right, I know he's visiting the Chiefs, but Quan Williams is obviously still out there. Brian Poole is still out there. Richard Sherman. Is still out there who could be a again with Richard? It's not. It's not that he like with Richard Sherman. It's just a matter of does he want to play for a Jet team that is not going to be competing for a Super Bowl this year? I mean, they should be better. I mean, this should be a seven eight potentially nine win team if they really hit on their draft picks, but. They're not going to be a Super Bowl team. So is Richard Sherman, 32, want to play for that? Or does he want to go to a team that, that's like the Cowboys or, or like, you know, back to the 49ers or like somebody like that that's going to give him a chance to compete for a Super Bowl? Is that going to be what, what he prefers to do instead of coming here to the Jets? But I go back to what I had a, a, uh, a general manager tell me once. And it's it's kind of the the best way to analyze a team. Instead instead of getting mad at what your team's doing in free agency or getting mad at the holes the team doesn't fill, you have to realize that free agency is is part one of a two part plan on how to fix your roster for a season. Free agency is one. The NFL draft is two. That that's how this works, right? Like and and people get mad that the Jets haven't addressed the interior line and that the Jets haven't addressed cornerback and and you know all of this stuff, but they still have the NFL draft. And not only do they have the NFL draft, they basically have the NFL draft. Like, like that, like they basically own it. Like, I mean, they got six picks within the first four rounds, two ones, a two, two threes, a four and two fives. If you want to expend to the five, the, the fifth round, they'll get another second round pick when they decide to trade Sam Darnold or whenever they, they'll get at least a second round pick for him. So you're talking about two ones, two twos, two threes, a four and two fives. That is a F ton of draft picks. So, I mean, this isn't like, the Jets are not going to do anything else. I mean, this is a ton of capital for them to make a difference. And the way that a a former GM once explained this to me was, if you want to know what a team's going to do in the draft, look at what they didn't do in free agency. Because the Jets seemingly have gone out of their way not to address the corner position. I mean, I I talked to to a Dory Jackson's representatives and they said they haven't even gotten a phone call from the Jets, right? I mean, Kwan Williams... Heard from the Jets very early in free agency. They told him to be patient and they haven't really talked to him since. So there's like, the Jets have been, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word. The Jets have been almost, agree. it's not the right word, but the J- it's so obvious how not involved the Jets have been in the corner sweepstakes that it's like they're intentionally not signing these guys. And it's the same, they, they did want Joe Tooney, but obviously that fell apart just because they like they realized that they, nobody's going to choose the the Jets over the Chiefs it's just it's not happening unless the Jets pay so much money that it like it's, it's I mean they would have had to have given Tooney like 40 million dollars a year for him to choose the Jets over the Chiefs and obviously that wasn't going to happen so they were going to go and try to sign Joe Tooney it just didn't work out and the center position obviously they didn't they didn't make a run at Corey Lindsley because they like Connor McGovern at center so they the the corner in the interior line when the Jets don't address it to the extent that they haven't addressed it in free agency. And they can still sign Richard Sherman. I don't think that will make that big of a difference. And the same thing if they sign Quan Williams, not going to make that big of a difference. The extent that they've gone to there, what that means is that come the NFL draft, they believe that this class is deep enough at corner, is deep enough at the interior line, where they don't need to sign and give people an absurd amount of money in free agency because they can find... Equal replacements with higher upside in the draft. So I can't tell you who the next free agent signing is going to be at this point in free agency, though. I mean, you're going to have the random guys that come out of nowhere that the Jets call and sign, like the Sheldon Rankins. Nobody had Sheldon Rankins on their Jets target list, but that's because the Jets never really thought they could get Sheldon Rankins for two years, 17 million. And that's the outside number. So it's probably more like a one-year deal. But those value contracts will pop up and you'll see them sign players that you didn't expect them to sign. But I can't tell you the next signing is going to be. What I can tell you is that That corner position is going to be addressed very early in the draft. The guard position is going to be addressed very early in the draft. And that's how the Jets and Joe Douglas have decided to go about this. Is it the right move? In my opinion, you want to use, and this is, again, I'm not a general manager. You guys know this. I'm I'm a reporter. I'm, I, I, I like the fact that I get paid to sit in front of here and criticize these people without having to put my neck on the line to actually do what they're doing. I mean, I could never do their job. I can never do the Joe Douglas job. I can never do the Christopher Johnson job. I couldn't do any of that stuff. But what these guys have chosen to do is go receiver, pass rusher, and a lot of depth plugging in free agency. They are now going to turn to the draft, the draft, to take care of cornerback, offensive line. In my opinion, you want to use free agency to plug the holes that you can't afford to miss. Because in the draft, I know Joe, and Joe would probably slap me if like I said this to his face. But the draft is a crapshoot. Nobody knows, like nobody knows what the hell is going to happen in the draft. If anyone had any clue what was going to happen in the NFL draft, like Todd McShay says, or Mel Kuyper says, or Mike Mayock used to say, every single team would have a first, second and third round quarterback to complain play in the NFL based off of what people say. Oh, this guy's a stud. This all the Christian ponders that are great. And, and all the, the uh, EJ manuals that are first round picks, like the, the, nobody knows. Like, that's why I hate the draft. Cause it's like, nobody knows in the NFL draft. It is a total gamble and a total guess. Joe loves the draft. It's like his thing. He thinks it's his baby and all this stuff, and that's great. Like that's that's his team building philosophy. It's why he's gotten to where he is is because he thinks he can hit on all these draft picks. But in my opinion, you you use free agency to fill the positions that you can't afford to miss at. In my opinion, I know that this Kyle Shanahan zone blocking scheme is going to make life significantly easier on the guards. And I know the Kyle Shanahan scheme is going to make it so that, you know, you don't need the best, you don't need the the Zach Martins inside, you don't need the Michael Dunns inside to make this scheme successful. You can get away with solid or you can get away with good. You don't have to have amazing, incredible inside. I disagree with that. I, I, in my opinion, cornerback, pass rusher, left tackle and offensive line and quarterback are the most important positions in sports. I would have given the money to Shaq Griffin. I would have already had a deal done with Richard Sherman. I would have made a much stronger push at Corey Lindsley and made a much stronger push at Joe Tooney and then used the draft for the path or, and I would still would have signed Carlos and that's the one I would have saved, but, and then use the draft for the receiver, then use the draft for the hybrid safety, then use the draft for the line. That's what I would have used the draft for. And instead used free agency to get those like, no, we can't risk this draft pick doesn't develop. No, we can't risk this pick doesn't hit. No, we can't risk this guy doesn't fall. You know, I would have used used free agency for linemen and for corners because I think those two positions are significantly more valuable and significantly more, you can't miss on those positions more than the receiver. Like, I would have gone receiver in the draft. I really wouldn't. If they would have came away with just Keelan Cole and no Corey Davis, it's like, okay, well, you can, you'll get your number one receiver at number 23 or in the second round. Or if you trade back in one or trade up in one, I mean, you can do that. That's just my opinion. That That's that's my stance. But when free agency began, the Jets had issues at offensive guard, cornerback, pass rusher, receiver, 43 outside linebacker, obviously a slew of other things as well. This team was a two and 14 disaster last year. They're not close to the playoffs. Like they need a ton of holes to fill, but they had those, those were like the five main ones. Like those were the five main issues. As long as those five positions, or as long as those five holes are filled by week one, fine. It doesn't matter if you fill them in free agency in the draft. It doesn't matter if you fill them in the draft or free agency. It doesn't matter if you trade. It's just as long as you fill those five positions, six, if you want to loop in quarterback, it doesn't really matter how you go about filling them. My philosophy is use the free agency for the offensive linemen because you can't you can't afford to miss on them. Joe's philosophy is, well, clearly like based off of free agency, Joe's philosophy is this cornerback class is deepened up. I know I can get starters. This Offensive guard position, center position is deep enough in the draft. I know I can get value. I know I can get guys where we're picking. I know I can get starters. If he's right, great. If he's wrong, well, then you're going to get some problems because the Jets' interior offensive line was atrocious last year. Alex Lewis and Greg Van Roten stunk. Period. They were not good football players last year. They didn't play well. I know that, you know, it's the Adam Gase offense, the Adam Gase scheme. Michael LaFleur is going to be so much better. This is now the Kyle Shan. Fine. The Jets still need to improve those positions. Dan Feeney isn't improving those positions. By the way, every time I say Feeney, I think a boy meets world, which is like, a, uh, not Cor- <laughs> Corey Matthews' brother in my head. Like, Feeney! Like, I've got that in my head every time I read or see that guy's name. But, like, he's not filling center or guard. He's a backup, and he's not even a good starter. So, like, he's not it. So the Jets still need two starting guards. Bless Austin and Bryce Hall, I know they've got like a little bit of a cult following within Jet fans. Bryce Hall and, and Bless Austin are not starting caliber. Like you can't go into next year saying, no, we're fine. We got Bryce and Bless. Like, no, that's that's not how this works. That's how you end up with Daryl Roberts as your starter. That's how you end up in some of these predicaments. That's how you end up with Pierre Desir as your starter. That's how you end up with the issues that the Jets have had ever since they signed Revis and and Crow back in 2015, they've been going like these little stopgap starts at corner. It doesn't work. You need to have the starters. So the Jets, if anything with this free agency, like it's fine if they fill them, they just can't miss. They can't miss on these picks. And that's why the pressure is now amplified for the draft because like the Jets need a new corner. They need one, maybe two, maybe three new cornerbacks. And now you got to find them in the draft. You need two new starting guards. You have to find them in the draft. You can't miss you can't risk missing. You need to hit your draft picks. And that's a lot of pressure for a GM in a draft where it seems everybody every year misses on 70% of their picks. And if you're batting 300, I mean, you're you your GM of the year.
0: All right. You mentioned quarterback. There's plenty of mentions of quarterback in the chat as well. So let's go to the biggest and most important position on the field and a couple of different players. one. Zach Wilson, Pro Day coming up on Friday. So we can all remember what it looks like to watch Zach Wilson fire a football at uh, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on NFL Network. You can check out the BYU Pro Day. That'll be stream, uh, that'll be broadcast live there. So we can check out Zach Wilson, see how it looks. Of course, there was no combine. Not that he necessarily would have worked out there anyway, but this is a big chance and a big chance for the Jets um right Connor because you only have so many more chances to evaluate these guys how seriously to do the Jets take every one of these pro days it's a weird year because of this no combine mm-hmm.
1: yeah that that's big I mean it's it's a chance to meet the guy it's a chance to talk to the guy it's a chance to see him play in person I mean it's it's going to be important I mean I, I don't think that the I don't think how many passes Zach Wilson completes against air is going to make like a, a huge massive deal I don't think the Jets are going to sit there and be like oh my god did you see that bomb he just threw to nobody? Oh, that's that's it. He's our guy. I don't think that, but it's a chance to watch his footwork and the way he moves. It's a chance to watch how he interacts with the receivers after they catch passes. It's a chance to talk to him a little bit after the fact. It's a chance to get his medicals. It's a chance to see the height. All that stuff is going to be super, super, super important. And for the Jets, I mean, this is, look, they, we, we can talk all we want about corner guard, receiver, what they do in free agency, they've signed enough, blah, blah, blah. Really, the only decision that, Joe, or there, there is no decision that Joe Douglas will make this offseason more important than quarterback. Quarterback's it. I mean, he can't, he can't get this wrong. And in my opinion, the right decision is to to trade Sam Darnold, draft Zach Wilson. I mean that that's that in my opinion is what you need to do. But. If Joe decides to to draft Fields, if Joe decides to trade back and draft Lance, if Joe decides to keep Sam Darnold and and mortgage the number two pick for, for a, a Robert Griffin three-like bounty, okay, fine, but you can't be wrong. Again, like if you stick with Sam, Sam has to be a franchise quarterback. If you go with Zach, Zach has to be a franchise quarterback. If you go with Fields or Lance they and pass on Zach, those two guys have to be a franchise quarterback. You cannot afford to... Get this pick wrong, and I think that Fields is probably at this point not really an option at number two. I think that Lance is definitely not an option at number two. I think what the Jets are deciding between right now is Sam Darnold or Zach Wilson, and they're gonna have to come to that decision, and they will come to that decision probably a couple days after this pro day. They will see the pro day. They're going to see Wilson. They're going to meet with him. They're going to talk with him. They're going to do all the, the the ins and outs that they get to do at a pro day. And then they're going to say, okay, we believe in this kid's upside more than we like Darnold's. We think that this kid has the chance to be a legitimate, bona fide top five quarterback. And maybe Sam's top 15, but top five's better and you reset the rookie clock. And the more that I talk to people about Zach Wilson – the more calls that I make on this guy, the more that I I kind of hear about him. And and our Jeff Howe wrote an incredible story, a, a great featured article on on uh, on uh, Zach, which you can read if you take advantage of that that promo that we're running at the bottom of the screen. I mean, you can go and read that that unbelievable story on Wilson. I mean, I know he's got this like reputation as being a little bit of a a, a pretentious guy, and like he's handed had everything handed to him. I think the Jeff story really puts a lot of that to bed. I mean, this is a guy who like his uncle started JetBlue or something like that. So his uncle's the one with like the billions and billions of dollars. But Zach's parents don't have billions and billions of dollars. Like Zach's parents own a bunch of gas stations. So they're upper middle class, but they're not like, Billionaires. I mean, Zach drives a Mazda six. I drive a Mazda six. Like I'm not, I'm not sitting here with a Rolls. And that's wrist, where like, the you know,
0: comparisons guys. end.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, people said I look like Sam, so now they're saying like yeah, I got the red hair like Sam. So now it's like the, the I drive the same car as Zach. I'm sure I'll, I'll have that. I'll have that status for another two months, and then that's gonna end. But like he drives a Mazda six. Like he's like a normal guy. Like he used to deliver. Uh, I think it was. I think this uh, Jeff had. He, he used to deliver DoorDash for extra cash. Yeah. So, he, so his parents weren't even giving him like the extra money on the side to like go take the girl out to a date like he had to go do DoorDash. So, I mean, he's he's got a good head on his shoulders. And when you when you cross that box off, when you when you are no longer concerned about that and you look at obviously there's nothing you can do with the fact he didn't play top tier competition. There's no he didn't play with top tier competition either. There's nothing you can do to change that. But what you can do is you look at that arm strength, which is elite. You can look at that accuracy, which is elite. You can look at his escapability, which is elite. You can look at the way that he, I like that. I've seen the, the Photoshop you guys have done. Uh, you look at like his mobility to not Lamar Jackson move, but to move within the pocket to keep the play alive. And you realize that this is a guy that is tailor-made for Kyle Shanahan's system, which is what Michael Flohr will run with the Jets. He wants guys that can, he's going to establish the run and work off the play action. But when you work off the play action, he wants guys that can move outside the pocket and make throws on the run accurately. That's Zach Wilson. What takes this offense to the next level, which is what Kyle Shanahan has never been able to do with San Francisco, is having the quarterback that can consistently play within the pocket when the run's not there and push the ball down the field. Jimmy G can't do that. Go watch BYU against UCF. I know UCF's defense was trash, but like, there are a couple throws where you see Wilson pushing the ball down the field. That throw, it's the touchdown to the receiver on the right side of the field. Right in the end, it's like a 55-yard pass. It is a laser beam that is suction cupped into the receiver's gut on a line in tight coverage. I mean, that is a next-level throw, whether he's at BYU, Clemson, Alabama, Auburn, does not matter. That's a big league throw. That's the kind of skill set that this offense needs, and that's the kind of skill set that I think is going to be on display at BYU. And when it's on display at BYU, I think Joe's going to be sitting there and saying to himself... I can't pass on this. Sam, we like you. You're a good kid. We think you have a lot of potential in this league, but I can't pass on that. That That's, that's next level. And Zach Wilson will be this team's quarterback week one.
0: All right, I mentioned Deshaun Watson, Connor, and obviously he's dealing with some other stuff right now off the field, some legal troubles. We're not going to dive into that or anything, but it seemed like it probably wasn't an option before all of that. I would think no chance now of the Jets making a move on Deshaun Watson unless all that stuff cleared itself up plus.
1: Yeah, I I think that the Deshaun Watson possibility, like you said, uh, not not talking off field issues. That, that's kind of another beast, and, and you got to see what develops of that. You don't want to obviously pass any judgment before all the evidence is available and all that stuff. But yep. I think the 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 Sean Watson Jets possibility ended once you saw the type of free agency that Joe Douglas had. And what I mean by that is is he conducted a free agency that I think was good. As, as I said that he's been uh making value signings he's been plugging some holes he's made some splashes when you talk about Corey davis and lawson as we've said multiple times but if you're gearing up to trade for deshaun watson what that means is that you're giving up a minimum of three first round picks probably a second round pick probably a third round pick or a defensive starter when you're gearing up to do that you know that you don't have the luxury of building through the draft so you have to build through free agency. So if the Jets had gone out and signed uh, Kenny Galladay and Juju Smith-Schuster, they got Corey Lindsey and they got Joe Tooney or they got Zeitler or they went out there and they got, bless you, or they went out there and they got um, Carl Lawson in addition to Richard Sherman. And you started seeing 30-something-year-old guys come in here and a lot of like big name, basically the type of offseason that the Patriots had that's the kind of off off season that you then say, you know what? Yeah, obviously having all those draft picks helps, but it's almost like they now don't have as many holes for the draft to fill. And when you don't have as many holes for the draft to fill, that means you don't necessarily need all of those draft picks, which means that you might be concocting something to trade those draft picks. And watching this free agency and watching how this is unfolded, I really believe that I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I was trying. You made me really big on the screen. Now I'm the only one here. And I, I think you did this to like mess me up because I should have, I'm just going to exit out of this. So I'm not even looking at the screen anymore. All right, you can go. I have the, I have the new putters that I'm looking at up on the screen now. So I'll, I'm just going to stick with that. Um, But as like, when you have a free agency, that's aggressive and it's, and it's bold and it's like a lot of big name guys. And you see that kind of addition that would have led me to believe, okay, I think Joe might be trying to get something done with Houston. This Jets team right now that they've built, if they were to trade all of those draft picks in order to get Deshaun Watson, they're probably a six or a seven win team. That's just the truth. They probably win six or seven games. They're slightly better than what the Texans were last year. The Texans won four games last year with Watson. This Jets roster is probably six or a seven win team. They play in a much tougher division. Now you're going to have to deal with the Patriots and all the, the reloading that they've done, what the Bills have done. The Dolphins look like a better team. The Jets are probably a six, seven, maybe eight win team with Deshaun Watson if they were to trade all those draft picks. That's not what Deshaun Watson wants to come and play for. Deshaun Watson wants a chance to win. So this, not conservative, but this Joe Douglas level of aggression this offseason, like you've seen where it's been smart team building, decent sign like good signings, decent filling, clearly with an eye towards the draft, it tells me Joe's keeping his draft picks. And we shouldn't be, again, overly surprised. I mean, Joe's hinted at this time and time again, Every time we've spoken to him, I mean, how many times has he referenced how excited he is for the draft capital, how much he believes that this draft capital can help propel the Jets to the next level, all this stuff, yada, yada, yada. I mean, that tells you that the Jets are preparing to use these draft picks. And if they're preparing to use these draft picks, it means they're not trading for Deshaun Watson. And and now, obviously, this can change. If Deshaun Watson's value dips to the point where the Texans are like, you know what, this is just irreparable. We just want to trade him. Maybe now you can get Deshaun Watson for two first round picks and a third. Or maybe you can get him for just three first round picks. Or maybe a one, a three, and something else. I mean, maybe that happens. And if the price dips to a point where the Jets are like, okay, here's the value. Yeah, the Jets will absolutely get themselves involved in in Deshaun Watson, assuming all off-field matters take care of themselves. But the way that it's shaped up right now, the Jets are not preparing themselves to offer an absurd contract or a, an absurd haul to the Texans for Deshaun Watson. They're not preparing themselves to offer three ones, a two, a three, and Quinn and Williams to the Texans to get Deshaun Watson. They just have not set themselves up to do that with this free agency. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, which is why I feel more confident than ever saying that, that the Jets' week one quarterback is either going to be Sam Darnold or Zach Wilson. And I think ultimately will end up being Zach Wilson. But the Deshaun Watson-ship I think has sailed. I don't think it's overly possible. I don't think it's likely after this free agency. Um, Unless, of course, the one caveat being Watson's value dips to a point, like I said, where the Texans are like, don't the the Texans get to a point where they're not saying convince us to trade to Sean Watson. But they're saying we want to trade to Sean Watson. What's the best offer?
2: All right. Speaking of Sam, uh, we have a question in the chat. If Sam is not traded by draft day, do you see a trade offer that's too good not to accept to trade out of the two spot?
1: Um, I'm, I don't get it. Uh, if Sam is not traded by draft day, do you see a trade offer that's too good like, not to accept?
2: If Sam, they don't not, draft a quarterback leading, leading up to leading up to the draft. If Sam is not traded the day of the draft, do you see an offer? This,
1: got you. Uh, the, the Jets biggest issue right now is that the Sam the Sam Darnold potential suitors is tanking like the Bears obviously are not overly interested in him I've, I've heard that now that they've had Andy Dalton the the Washington football team would be interested in him but only if they get him at like a value that's basically like the Jets are trying to dump him like they're not going to give up a second or a first round pick anymore for him. Uh, I think the teams that I just continue to hear being tied to him are the Broncos because John Elway loved them coming out of college, coming out of USC and, and all that stuff. And we, we've talked about this on the podcast before. I mean, I remember I talked to Mike McKagan we were at the uh, I'll tell the story real quick. But like we because I, I wrote it, but um, I don't know if I've ever told it on the podcast. It was the um, Mike McKagan during the 2018 draft when they took Sam, I remember I, I met, I had a uh, dinner with him at the senior bowl the next year or something like that. And I, I, we were talking over dinner. I basically said to him, I was like, man, I was like, I think what I, what I never really understood was why you traded to the third overall pick, because you basically like, did you believe there were three franchise quarterbacks in this class? I mean, that's, that's kind of rare. I was like, so you were kind of running a risk that you were going to get the number three option. And what mike said was that no we believed there were two we believed that there was uh with the two that they loved the most cuz they weren't willing to take the risk on Josh Allen after that cuz Josh Allen was a guy that needed a lot of work a lot of developing and after the Christian Hackenberg fiasco the jets were not willing to go the d- build me a quarterback route they wanted somebody that was a little more proven a little more polished somebody with a maybe not as high as a c- high of a ceiling but a much higher basement is what the jets wanted so they ended up Mike said that that what they ended up doing was they really liked Baker Mayfield. And Baker Mayfield was the guy that they believed was going to be the next quarterback. They saw Sam Darnold goes one. Baker Mayfield then is there at number two. They had their own league sources that had basically told them the Giants were taking Saquon Barkley. And the Giants were not willing to trade the pick. And the Giants were not willing to take a quarterback. That Dave Gettleman was so infatuated with Saquon Barkley that he was not moving off that spot. And I was like, wow. I was like, "I, I mean obviously it worked because it went Saquon to you guys got, got Darnold. I was like, but I mean, did you ever like get nervous that the giants would like switch it up when, when Baker went one and Sam went two? because he said it wasn't until like an hour before the draft that the Jets got wind that like, no, it's Baker one. Like, no Baker's definitely going one. Sam's going to be there. And he said, the only time he got nervous was that when Baker officially went one, when the, when the Browns officially turned in their, their, their card and they drafted Baker Mayfield, the only time he got nervous was that he knew how much John Elway loved Sam Darnold, that he was worried that the Broncos were going to offer the Giants a package of picks that they could not refuse, that they were basically going to say, here's you know seven first round picks. Just get me Sam Darnold. I need Sam Darnold. I need Sam Darnold. And that that was obviously going to then leave the Jets picking with the third quarterback. So Mike actually said that he contemplated calling the Giants right after that Baker pick and saying, hey, can we go up to number two? ultimately he trusted his sources realized the giants were only going to draft Saquon Barkley and and I don't know cuz I don't I don't talk to John Elway but I don't know if the Broncos ever tried to call Dave Gettleman but after the draft Dave Gettleman said he did not take phone calls on the number 2 pick because he was always taking Saquon Barkley and he wasn't going to will, willing to drop him so like that's that's the wild part of this so knowing that tells you that John Elway still probably loves Sam Darnold if he can get him for a 2 or a 3 he'll get it done so if there's a pick that makes the jets want to I think that that the biggest issue is the Jets keep waiting. Guys are going to say, I'm, I, I'm just out of this sweepstakes. So ultimately, like two weeks ago, you had the Washington football team as a potential option. The Bears is a potential option. The Eagles is a potential option. There were all these potential options. They're starting to fill up to where the now the Jets are pretty much left with Carolina if they don't get Deshaun. Uh, um, what's their name? San Francisco, because uh, apparently, I, from what I've heard, Shanahan likes them. And then Denver. And then the biggest thing to be able to get that potential second round pick up to a first is you need a bidding war. And I don't think the Jets are going to get that. So the Sam Darnold value, I genuinely believe is a second round pick. And that's what he's going to get is for it. That's what they're going to get for him is a second round pick. And it's just a matter of who do they deal him to.
0: The drama continues. You can stay right here all the way up to draft day. We'll continue to keep you updated on all the rumors here on the Can't Wait podcast. We're also running a bracket and thanks for everybody who got involved on the Can't Wait Picks. Seventy-four
1: people in there, Tim.
0: Oh yeah. We are everybody. <laughs> but yeah. I let me see what place you're in. Uh
2: I'm I'm I in was way second worse, after like I the you're not on the first I'm page. I'm in like thirty eighth place. No, that's not great. But my cousin go. Go. my cousin Kyle, who listens to the pod frequently. Um, he is tied for fifth with Tim's wife, so might yeah. Know. Which Do you have any is uh, secret
1: like connections to the league? like. I know you like held this Michael Dunn thing for, oh, yeah. By the way, my, no, my, my boyfriend's cousin, a star NFL my player. My cousin Kyle, is your is cousin, an like ac- the GM of the Yankees.
2: No, he is an account. <laughs> he's an accountant, and he's super smart. So- like Galicky. Like Galicky. he's yeah. an accountant. Yes. So, uh, I hope he wins, but um, we'll have to see because this tournament is yeah, crazy. As we as we're recording right now, Oregon just beat Iowa. So the Big Ten is not really doing too hot. But.
0: Iowa, who yes, I sir, actually had winning sucks. winning it all in my other pool. I, I'm just yeah. a mess right now in these. But, uh, yeah, he's he's in fifth. Uh, my wife Mandy is in seventh. Uh, there's a four-way tie at the top. The Dizzle, Daniel, which is Daniel's crazy bracket, uh, Adam, which is uh, Blitzkrieg, and then Evan, Evan's killer lemonade. Uh, oh, no, I'm yeah, they are all tied up at uh, 24 uh, oh, I see. Evan, I'm sorry, reading this as I go, Evan actually jumped into that because I think maybe he had that pick. I don't know. He's one one pick ahead in the second round. Anyway, that's where it is right now. Four-way tie for the first. Um, whoever ends up on top, if they would like to, they Texas. can come and <laughs> join just trying to wrap up the podcast here. Uh, they can join the, uh, the show. We won't make you, but if you want to come on, we'll have you come on and gloat about the win uh, when the tournament's all wrapped up in a couple of weeks. Uh, speaking of the tournament, Marissa, we have something else going on here at the Athletic. Yes,
2: yes. So if you want to hear some more tournament talk, the Athletics College Basketball crew brings you the Ding You presented by BetMGM, and we'll cover all the action both on the court and at the sportsbook grabbing insight from the athletics college basketball writers and picking the brain of BetMGM's top bookmakers. So if you want to listen to the next episode, the next episode is airing Thursday, March 25th at 1 PM. You can find it on the daily ding feed or streaming on YouTube.
0: Yeah, you can watch it live on YouTube, just like our show here. So check that out um, later in the week when you can. They've done a they did a bunch of episodes last week. Really good stuff. Uh, Michael Beller hosting those here at The Athletic. That's going to do it for this edition of the Can't Wait podcast. One more reminder that you can subscribe to The Athletic right now for just one dollar a month. Go to theathletic.com slash can't wait to get that great deal it's one dollar a month for six months so a great deal at the athletic right now we'll be with you throughout the rest of the off season leading up to the draft and then on to everything else before the jets get back to work this summer thanks for joining us